0: Psalm 18 I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The courts of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of shoal entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked, because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coal, flame forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down, thick darkness under his feet. He rode on the cherub sh- sh- and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering. His canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, Hailstone and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the seas were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the hills, of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemies and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support, he brought me Out into a broad place he rescued me, because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you showed yourself merciful. With the blameless man you showed yourself blameless. With the purified you showed yourself pure. With the crooked you made yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people but the haunty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trained my hands for war so that my arm can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my step under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemy and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I trust them true, so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. And those who hated me, I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mere of the streets. You deliver me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nation. People whom I have not known serve me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued people under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever.
1: Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you're a God of salvation, uh, and that uh, we can hear about how strong your salvation is through your word. We thank you that David wrote this love song to you. And we pray that we might understand why he felt such a strong need to do so. And as he explains to us why he loves you, why he loves your strength, that we too might love you and your strength. That we too might want to praise you uh, to the nations, to the people, to our family and friends around us, to speak of your great strength and love in the way that you save us and the way you strengthen us to keep holding on to Jesus. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I love music. Uh, I know many of you do as well. And with Spotify, it's awesome, isn't it? The, 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 the catalogue of music from all over the world for, for decades is in our hands. Uh, but I really suck at lyrics. I, I like to listen to the music and the feels of the song, but I always forget the lyrics. But I, I listen enough to know that a lot of songs are about love. Correct? Love songs is kind of one of the big categories of music out there. Now, I was thinking this week about the, the reasons why people write love songs, right? What do they say are the reasons for why they love someone? Uh, I tried to think of lyrics uh, that, that, that were famous that talk about why they love someone. And I thought of, uh, you know, I love the way you look tonight. Uh, that's by somebody, I don't know who that is, but I think it's a lyric, right? I love the way you look tonight, or oh, I love the way you make me feel. Um, I think Elvis Presley wrote, I love the way you understand me. It's nice to be understood. And and then another one, I think it's Buble, isn't it? I love you just the way you are, which is patently nonsense. No one really loves another person just the way they are, right? There's always something they want someone to change. So it's really a lie, but a love song. You just say whatever you want. Um, But you know, I I didn't find any love songs during the week of searching on Google that spoke about love for someone's strength. I didn't find, uh, as I did the search term for lyrics, Love, strength, or strong, I couldn't really find any songs about that. Now, strength is something that we admire usually, isn't it? Especially you see someone with great guns, right, with all their rippling muscles, or a fit body, you, know, you admire them. If someone is strong, you know, they, they help you lift something that you can't lift, and you, you, you appreciate them for their strength. But to, to love, to have that deep felt love for someone because of their strength, is not something that we usually think about. But here in the psalm, in Psalm 18, King David begins his love song by crying out to God, I love you, O Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now there's a few strange things about this first verse, I think. Firstly, David does the really un-Asian thing of declaring out loud those three words that we find so hard to say, right? I love you. I don't know about you guys, but I find it really hard to tell my parents I love them. And I've had to really train myself to say to my wife and to my kids because I want to be different from the way I used to be, right? It's very un-Asian to say, I love you. Uh, My predecessor, Pastor Steve Nation, he used to to always pray, I love you, Jesus. And I felt uncomfortable with that, right? That PDA, you know, Uh, in in declaring to Jesus and to God that he loves God. I find it really hard to pray that. I feel self-conscious. But it's not only us that might feel self-conscious with saying, I love you, it would seem that the biblical authors are as well. When I did a search for the people in the Bible who actually said those three words to God, do you know how many people actually said, I love you in that very many words in the Bible? One, David. There's no other person in the Bible who actually says, I love you to God. Now, obviously, there's a lot of instructions about loving God uh, and descriptions of love for God, but the actual words, I love you, only on the mouth of David. That's the first strange thing. But the second strange thing, like I mentioned before, is the reason why David declares his love for God. It's because of God's strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now the main point of this psalm is so clear. It's about God's strength. It's a declaration of of love for God because God has been strong. Verse 1. And then in verse 50, right at the end, verse 46 to 50, he, he ends by saying, I'm praising your strength, right? 46. i I'm praising you, my rock, my strength, and telling the nations about how strong you are. Love for God's strength. Praise for God's strength. Now, verse 0, so the, the bit before verse 1 in the title of the psalm, which is part of the Bible, David tells us that he wrote this love song on the day when the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now, we actually know from the historical book of 2 Samuel which is like the narrative version of David's life, in chapter 22, that David wrote this song and he sang this song as almost the last words of his life. It's at the end of his life. Right, in chapter 23, we're given his last words. But in chapter 22, this is the second last words of David. As he reflects back on his life, he, he, he sings with love and praise of God's strength displayed through his life. This isn't just one of occasion of salvation that David's thinking about. He's thinking about all the times that God has saved him. From Saul, his archenemy in his early days, through to, to the civil war within his own nation, through to the enemies around him, he's reflecting on how God had saved him. And he sings this love song. Now in this love song about God's strength, there are two parts. And I, it, it's, I think, sectioned off very easily, nicely for us in the psalm. It, it's, it starts off, each section starts off with the declaration of God being his rock. Have a look, verse 2, verse 2 to 19 is section 1, right? the the beginning of verse 2, the Lord is my rock who strongly saves David. And then we'll see a picture of God being the cosmic warrior, the cosmic warrior savior. And then we jump into verse 31, you'll see the second time David calls God the rock. Who is God but the Lord who is my rock? And then we see in this section that God is the one who strengthens David to be, to become the victorious warrior. So God, the cosmic warrior, and then God strengthening David to be the, the warrior. And then we'll see at the end, the third time the rock's mentioned is in verse 46, which is the summary part, right? The praise for God's strength. So let's look into the two sections. The Lord is strong, verse 2 to 19. Have a look at verse 2. The first set of words in verse 2, the reason why David loves God for his being strengthened, he says that you are my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Uh, what, what kind of picture, what kind of image do these convey to you? This will, hmm. It's a picture of security, isn't it? Rock solid, immovable foundation. Right? Having been secure or on the rock that is God and having God as his fortress as how he's delivered. No enemy can come into this rock solid foundation. The second part of the verse, in verse 2, it talks about how God is his rock, second so use of the word rock. He is my refuge, my shield, my horn of salvation, my stronghold. And this time it's a picture of safety, right? Of, of being covered, of being in the cleft of the rock, acting as a refuge, a safe place from the enemy, from the storm. A shield that protects, a stronghold that holds off the enemy. Beautiful, isn't it? The rock security and safety beautiful words brought together that really signify and express strength the lord is my the lord is strong and mighty rock now that's all good that god is strong and mighty but is he actually strong and mighty for me right? you know it's, it's, it will he actually be my rock will he actually save me will he give me refuge now it's one thing to, to be strong to have strong people out there in our world There are plenty of strong and powerful people aren't there? But if they don't use their strength for our good, then what good is that to us, right? Now did you know that if you were to amass the the wealth of the top 1% of our world's richest people, they would actually be able to solve 90% of the world's poverty without being poorer themselves. But yet our world is still steeped in poverty. What good Is a strong God if he's not strong for me. So the question is Was God the rock strong for David? Indeed, he was. Have a look, verse 3. David called, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Over and over again through the course of David's very difficult life, being chased down endlessly by enemies, David cried out to God. God heard. And God answered. And then David spells out for us how God displays His saving strength and power. And we see this in verse 7 to 15. The language of verses 7 to 15 is language that is out of this world, isn't it? When you look at it, it's a God that is being shown to be a a cosmically, divinely powerful warrior. We see it right in verse 7 that when He comes, the, the, the earth shakes. The mountains tremble. We see God pictured as a dragon. Out of His nostrils, smoke is blaring out. Fire comes out of his mouth. Fireballs of coal are flaming forth from God. This, this, this scary dragon warrior. And then we see him bends back the heavens. as if he takes the heavens, the skies, and then he pulls it open and he enters the stage. This cosmic warrior ready to save. He flies in riding on an angel flying on the winds, the wings of the wind. And then when he speaks, comes out as a thunder. Hailstones fiery meteorites. And when he goes to battle against his enemies, against David's enemies, his arrows are like lightning bolts. He clears the seas away and he lays the foundations bare. He sweeps everything and everyone aside. What a a description of cosmic power. It's language that is an imagery that you will not find in this life, in this world. It's 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 stuff that you have to to make into movies using a lot of CG, right? A lot of uh, uh, special effects. Because there is no power in this world that looks like this. And so he uses words from a fantasy land almost. David couldn't just use the normal words and pictures of human power to describe the power of God. Because human strength is way, way, way too small, too limited to describe the strength of God. Now, a long time ago in 1994, uh, some of you weren't born yet, I think, uh, I was 16 years old and I was on a holiday with my mum and dad. We went down to a place called Cessnock, which is about um, 50 kilometres west of Newcastle, which is about an hour and a half drive north of Sydney. Right, so this is New South Wales. And my dad has an Aussie godmother, it's really weird, and she was 94 years old at the time, and we were just there to hang out with her because she was getting old. And uh, on, on June the, the, uh, the, the 8th, that night, we went to bed, like we do every night. Uh, and we had share a shared room with my dad and mom, but you know, that's what happens. And so we're lying there, and we've just fallen asleep, When suddenly we felt a bit of a shake in the room. And then it started to really tremble. And, and then in a, in, a, in a few moments, it felt like a semi-trailer. We should have been driving on the highway just outside the house, and we're driving through the room. And we woke up and we are like, what the heck? What's going on is everything was shaking and rattling and falling all over the place in the room that we're in. All we had to do was just lie there and just wait. It felt like minutes, but it's probably only about 15, 20 seconds that it happened. You see, what happened was that the fourth largest earthquake in Australian history had struck Elalong, which is just 15 kilometers down the road from Cessnock. Right, we were pretty much in the epicenter of Australia's fourth largest earthquake, which, by world standards, is puny right? Because Australia is not an earthquake place, but still, 5.4 on the Richter scale. And the next day, as we, we heard news reports, there were about 1,000 homes damaged, 50 hotels had collapsed, the damage was $37 million in this backward area of New South Wales. I will never forget that experience of feeling the earth move right under my feet. And all of us have had some experience of cosmic power, I think. We've all had some kind of experience of a great storm. Maybe you've been in Brisbane when the hailstorms hit. Sometimes it gets up to a tennis ball size, and it's loud and furious. Some of us have been around during a cyclone, or maybe you've been in a hurricane or a typhoon, maybe in Taiwan or, or somewhere else in the world. And the fact that we're still alive today here to tell our stories about being in, in the midst of such storms and, and, and catastrophes tells us that we only experienced a fraction, a fraction of the cosmic power of God that can be seen in this kind of way. But you know, it was a great thing to have experienced it. It was not great, all the damages and all the, all, the, all the injuries and deaths that happened, but it's a great experience to be able to experience a fraction of God's power Because it wakes up our idea to the fact that God is so much bigger and so much more powerful than we imagine him to be. Because it's easy as human beings to forget just how powerful and strong God is. As we suffer, God can feel more distant. As we experience maybe success in this life, God can seem less important. I'm my own self made man or woman. Why do I need God? As we grow stronger, right, in our intellect or our physicality, God can seem weaker. I can do everything that I need to do. Why do I need God? As we grow older and bigger, God can shrink smaller and smaller in our valuing of Him. But make no mistake, God is not small and God is not weak. His strength is out of this world, beyond all that we can see or imagine or even describe we need the world the movies we need natural disasters to remind us just how cosmically powerful God is the Lord is the divine cosmic warrior of terrifying strength that's what David is describing here but it's also the God who is intimate and personally strong for David now, we see this back in verse 7, right? As he begins this description of this cosmic warrior, he begins by telling us that, that God is angry against David's enemies. Now, anger is personal, isn't it? Impersonal objects and beings don't get angry. Only personal beings get angry. God gets angry. Now, when a judge in a law court hands down the sentence, there is no anger. It's just justice, right? But when a father goes searching for his kidnapped daughter to bring justice, you better believe me that there's anger in his justice, isn't it? God's salvation is personal. God is angry against those who come after him by coming after his servant, his anointed King David. Now we see how personal and intimate God's strong salvation is in verse 16 and 17. Have a look. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. See, God is pictured not just as this cosmic dragon warrior, but as like a rescue helicopter, a rescuer rappelling down the ropes and reaching into the waters that were surrounding David, that were, that were and capturing him in death, and he pulls him out, and he holds onto him and brings him to security and safety of salvation. God comes personally to rescue his servant, his King David. You see, the God that David knew and experienced is the same God that we see in the gospel. For we see the Son of God, the cosmic, all-powerful creator and ruler of the heavens and earth. He came, as we know, during this Christmas period, as a baby, as a man, God with us, identifying completely with us, our brother, embracing us. He literally came to hold on to us in order to bring us to safety and salvation. David's experience of the Lord as cosmic warrior, as well as being his personal savior, is our experience, if we trust in Jesus, of the God who is almighty, who has come down personally to rescue us. But that's only half the story of this love song. The second half of this love song is about the strength of the Lord has being given to David. Have a look with me from verse 31. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. So we see in these verses and in this section that, that God the strong is the one who beefs up David for the battle. Right? He is the one that equips David with strength. And then we see in verse 33, he's given the speed of the deer. And then he's given hulk-like strength to, to bend a bow of bronze in verse 34. And then he's given God's shield of salvation, which is much greater than Captain America's shield of vibranium, isn't it? So much better. God's shield of salvation. David was really the super soldier, wasn't he? He was the war machine. Have a look from verse 37, and this is pretty confronting verses right here, right? Verse 37, follow along with me. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through, so they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them finest dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Now this is pretty full on stuff. And we will look into it a little bit later on. But for now, I want you to notice that what we see is that David is the warrior who defeats and subdues his enemies, isn't it? But it's clear that he does so by the the strength that is not his own, that is given to him, equipped by God. It is the Lord, the rock, who strengthens him. And so we see this strange kind of two perspectives on the same reality. We see in the first perspective that God is the cosmic and personal warrior who strongly saves David from his enemies. But the second perspective is that David is the victorious warrior Who is the one doing the battling? Who is the one going to war against the enemies? Who is the one coming on top? And we see that they're not two things. They're two perspectives of the same strength and power of God. They are not two separate things, but two perspectives on the same thing. This is how God works in salvation, isn't it? This is how God works in salvation. You see, God has rock. God as refuge and deliverer and shield. These, these are not fuzzy, sort of abstract concepts. You know, when you talk about these things about God, they're just words, aren't they? Rock, I mean, how, how do you describe God as a rock? I mean, is He a person or is He an inanimate rock? It's so abstract. He's a shield, same thing, right? He's a fortress, you think a building. And it seems so far away, so fantastical. What's that got to do with me, all this poetic language about God? But you see, God's strength is always displayed in real terms, right? IRL, in real life. It is displayed and shown. God strongly saves David. How? Through David. God strongly saves David through David. The divine warrior works through his human agent. And Once again, we see this in the gospel, don't we? That God is the one doing the saving, but his son is the one who takes on flesh. He is strengthened by God to do the same. Now, are we, are we then to take home the message that God will display his strength through us in the same way? Are we to think that God will help us defeat all our enemies no matter who or what they are? Because you will hear it in Christian circles and you may have maybe heard people say that if God is for you, then who can it be against you? And you can overcome everything. You can overcome the algebra problem that you couldn't do in the exam. Right? You pray and you'll get the answer. I'm not sure that worked for any of you in the last exam period. You, you, you can pray and believe that God will overcome your cancer and then you'll be healed. You'll pray for your dead child to be raised and that will come true. You hear that sometimes, don't you, among Christian circles? Is that what this means? Is this what the promise of Psalm 18 is about? We've we got to be really careful to understand who exactly is the Lord strong for? And what does the Lord strengthen whoever He's strong for to do? It's really important to understand that correctly, isn't it? And we start with Psalm 18 itself, to be able to understand from Psalm 18, who does the Lord strengthen and who is the Lord strong for? And the first place we see is in verse 0, that this is the servant of the Lord, that is writing this psalm, right, that has experienced the strength of the Lord. It's David, verse 0, the strength of the servant of the Lord. In verse 50, we are given further information about David. He is God's king, right, God's anointed. Now, the word anointed is the English word, which means to pour over with oil to set apart for a special purpose. In the Hebrew, the word for anointed is Messiah. Many of you have heard that. And in the Greek, the word is Christ. So very confusing, three words in the Bible that is basically the exact same word in different languages, right? Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is Greek, the anointed one, usually the king is the English word. And that's who David is. David wasn't just anyone. He wasn't Joe Blow. He wasn't Momoran, right? Some random guy. He wasn't even just an ordinary Israelite person of God. No. No. David was God's chosen and anointed king. And we must always keep that in mind, that when we read the Psalms, we read it in light of Psalm 1 and 2, which introduces this whole book of the Psalms. So I'm not going to preach on Psalm 1 and 2, I'm going to give you a summary in like 10 seconds. Psalm 1 tells us the purpose of all the Psalms, that blessed is the one who walks in the way of the Lord. right? Blessed is the one who, who listens to God and obeys Him. Psalm 2 tells us, kiss the Son, submit to God's Son, God's King. And follow him. Psalm 1 and 2 blesses the one who walks in the way of the Lord. Psalm 2 kiss the son, obey God's king. And so it makes sense, doesn't it? David is God's king. And the Lord God defeats his son, his king, and his enemies because they refuse to see David as their rightful king. Instead, they reject him and hunt him down in order to kill him. And you'll see in Psalm 2. When you go and read it for yourselves, it makes sense why David's enemies are defeated so severely. It will not end well for those who oppose God and his king. And Psalm 18 promises us that, that David will always have victory over his enemies because he is God's chosen king. But that's not all. Have a look at verse 50 again, right at the end there, in Psalm 18. The promise of strength is to David and his offspring forever. Now, we need to know that God made a huge, huge promise to David earlier in his life. This is what God promised David. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, and you sh- who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So so David is is God's king, but this promise is that there will be an offspring of David who will be the eternal king of the eternal kingdom. From David's line, one of his offspring will be the true and eternal Messiah. Now, I I know many of you already know who that, that son of David is. Now, David had many children and children, children, but there was one child of David, one offspring of David, who is God's eternal King, isn't it? And that is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, born the line of David. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom and bring salvation, but to do that, he had to defeat his enemies as well. Except that they weren't human enemies that he had to defeat. It's not like David had to defeat Saul, a, a rival king who was a jealous godless man, nor, nor was it a civil war within his own nation, nor was it the Philistine armies and, and the surrounding nations. Jesus had to fight and defeat the enemies of sin and, and death and the evil one. And to do that, he had to suffer and he had to die. And he died in a way that was different from David. David felt like he was surrounded by death, metaphorically. But Jesus actually was consumed by death as he died on that cross. But then we see Jesus powerful, strong in victory as he rises from the grave. Jesus came as the strong son of God to save. But Jesus also came as a man born as a baby, weak in flesh, strengthened by his father to save. God was strong for the son and he strengthened his son to save us. And so the the psalm is for David the king, and it's for offspring of David, Jesus Christ, and that is actually really, really good news for us. And this is why this psalm is also for us. It means that God is strong for us also. It means that he strengthens us also for those who trust in Jesus, for those who who are in Christ by faith, who who are those who receive the salvation, the strong salvation that Jesus provides. Our Lord Jesus Christ has defeated our greatest enemies of sin, death, and the evil one. Jesus is our rock of security and safety in this life on the day of judgment and the life that is to come. He has secured full payment for our sins. He is our shield against the accusations and the lies and the condemnations of the evil one. He is our stronghold on the day of judgment. On that day, we will stand secure in God's presence because of God's great salvation, Jesus' great strength to save us in his death. And though the biggest battle of our lives, our greatest enemies has been defeated. But what about day-to-day life? Is Jesus strengthening us in our day-to-day life? Yes, he is. We are promised strength to face each day. But strength to face what? Strength to face what? Let's have a look at this next passage. Ephesians chapter 6, very famous passage. TV will turn off automatically. Please select OK to keep your TV turned on. OK, so it's just that one. All right, sorry. Uh, that's not what it says. That's that, that screen there. So, um, OK, now this one is where the Bible says. OK, so Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. You see, we are promised the strengthening of God Pictured in this armor of God, for what reason? For us to be able to stand firm in the faith. If you were to read Ephesians, and I'll encourage you to do that, it's all about seeing that Jesus is everything. He is our Savior, He's our King, He's who we live for. And God strengthened us in order for us to hold on to that faith, to be able to withstand the lures and the temptations of the evil one. We're told that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against sickness or disease, but the schemes of the evil one. To be able to hold on tight to Jesus to the very end. Now, whether the temptations and lures of the devil are to do with our own sin and guilt, and they can be very tempting, isn't it? To say that I am so sinful and I am so guilty that Jesus' death is not enough, that it's a lie of the devil to wreck you with guilt so bad that you reject Jesus because you think he's not strong enough to save. Or it could be the lure of the evil one to say to us, you know, the rock that is Jesus, boring. Right? Build your own success. Enjoy your own foundations. Enjoy your own pleasures and pursuits in life. It's boring to, to stand on the rock that is Jesus. You don't need his strength. You can strengthen yourself. You can make something of yourself. There is also a lie of the devil. There is only one rock. There is only one foundation we can stand on in life. Or it could be the trials of life. Sickness and depression. Hardships and failures. Tragedies and loss. These are also lures of the devil to say that God is not trustworthy. These things are beating you down. How can God be for you? Let go of Jesus. Hold on to something else. Those are all lies of the devil, but instead we are promised strength to hold on to the promises of God in the gospel, strength to survive, strength even to thrive. Now let's bring things together and finish up. Our Lord Jesus, He is our rock, our strong saviour. He is our rock, our strength for each day, keeping us in the faith. He deserves more than just our admiration. He deserves more than just our gratitude. Jesus deserves our deepest love. He is the best good, and so He is our deepest love. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you tell Him you love Him? Do you have feelings of love and devotion towards Jesus for His strength? You know, I I think it is only those who know weakness that really love God's strength. The Apostle Paul says it a few times, doesn't he? For when I am weak, then I am strong, because it is the strength of God that is seen in my weakness. It is only those who know their weakness, who acknowledge it, who love God's strength. It is those of us who know that we are wretched, that we are in need of saving. To Those of us who know that we are powerless to save ourselves, it is people like, like us that love Jesus. It is those who struggle daily, with physical weakness of all kinds, with emotional and mental struggles, with spiritual failures as we fail to live up to, to, the, to the people we ought to be, we want to be as God's children. It is people who, who are wrecked with this kind of weakness every day, who know the salvation power of the gospel, who love Jesus. It is those who have the spiritual eyes and the soft hearts who humble themselves In their successes, in their achievements, in their riches, to see that all of it comes from God, it is only because of God's strengthening that we have all the good that we have, it is those who love Jesus. You see, the psalm tells us that God alone is our strength, that Jesus is the one who strengthens us each day to be able to cope with life not to be able to overcome every problem in life, but to be able to cope with life by being able to hold on to Jesus no matter what life throws at us. That is the rock-solid foundation that our lives are built upon in in such a way that, that Christians over centuries and millennia have been able to hold firm in the face of all kinds of troubles and trials that have come our way. That power is ours in Christ. The strong eternal salvation and the strength for each day so let me ask you do you love jesus will you say to him in your prayers i love you my lord jesus my strength now you might be too shy and and too awkward to say out loud with those many words but in your prayers why not start learning to express your love for jesus for being your strength now we might not say that we love people but we often show love in other ways don't we Now, one of the best ways I think we can show love is to show it in the way that David does. How does he end his psalm? He ends it by praising his God, the rock, doesn't he? Praise has two directions. You can praise someone to someone, praise God to God, but the way you praise God really is by telling other people about how good God is, right? So, you know, if I want to praise Jono, I can tell Jono, man, you're awesome. Or I can tell everybody else, I can advertise the awesomeness of Jono. And that's what David's doing. He's to the nations. He's declaring the power, the strength of God to save him. He wrote this psalm. Millions and billions have read it. The advertising of God's strength. Is that something we want to do? From our love for Jesus to tell other people, to explain to other people how Jesus is our strength, how he's the one that strengthens us. Let me pray in praise of Jesus and let us sing in praise of him. As we sing to the rock, our God. Let's sing. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we give you great praise as well as to your Son and to your Holy Spirit, for you are our strength. But not only do we praise you, we want to tell you that we love you. Sometimes we find it hard to say those words, but help us to say it and to mean it from our hearts, especially as we get to know more and more how you have been strong for us in giving us eternal salvation and how you strengthen us each day to hold on to the promises of the gospel, that no matter the the lures and the lies of guilt and, and weakness, and even the lures of success and achievement, we would never stop holding on to Jesus, to trusting Him as our all in all, our strength and the one who strengthens us. Help us also in expressing our love for Jesus, to express it by praising Him to others. Help us know how to tell other people how Jesus has also been strong for them and can strengthen them. All this we pray in Jesus' most precious name.
0: Thank you, Pastor Ben. Let us, um, as as what Pastor Ben said, let us continue to hold on to Jesus when we are tempted to deny Him, either in the success of life or in the trials of life. Would you please rise and stand and.